Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Good morning, everybody. Hello, and uh, a second welcome to you all, especially if this is your first time here. Welcome. My name is David. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's a joy and a privilege to worship God together. And in just a moment, we're going to open God's Word together, and I've got the privilege of sharing um, what I believe is on the Lord's heart for us here. But just to say again, if this is your first time you're very welcome to be among us. And uh, for those of you joining us online, we haven't forgotten about you either. Um, this is a great opportunity to hear God's voice. And I uh, just want you to be at ease, uh, be at home. You're amongst friends and family, even if you don't know it yet. Fantastic. So we are beginning, or we just have begun last week, a new series, teaching series called Authentic Relationships. And uh, we had Dr. Reverend John Andrews launch us in talking about the story of Cain and Abel and over a, a, a matter of conflict. And uh, throughout this series, we're going to be looking throughout the Bible progressively, skipping generations because there's a lot to cover, but at different conflicts that we see in relationships and uh, speaking into those and learning from them. But one of the main draws from this series is to realize that in terms of authentic relationships, being real, wanting to do relationships better, our relationship with God, the better we do with our relationship with God and getting that right and relating to God better means we will inevitably do the horizontal relationship with one another better. We get Better with God, we get better with one another. We're right with God. We, we become better at doing relationships with one another. And that's our heart here as a church family. And so today, I've got the privilege of talking about the story of Jacob and Esau, who are also brothers, actually twin brothers. But the conflict they're going through is one about inheritance, and I don't know about you, maybe you've got siblings, maybe you've had to deal with uh, some stories or eventualities with inheritance. It just so happens for myself personally, my family, this is very relatable. And um, I believe God was opening up an opportunity for myself and my siblings uh, to experience, to benefit from inheritance early whilst those loved ones, those loved family members were still alive. And so we got to have like a bit of a family discussion, me and my siblings and who we'd be benefiting from. And I, I realized as, as this was an opportunity of God, I was going to get hold of this. I'm going to grasp hold of this. Thank you, God. This is what I've been looking for, longing for. Couldn't see beyond this and um, have a family, a, a young family. And I was thinking, God, we yes, this is it. And uh, in the nature of our ongoing discussions, I realized I was becoming very dominating <laughs> about the inheritance. Don't know if anybody's been through it, but kind of being quite controlling or wanting to make things happen. I care about my brother and sister, so I, I'm one of three, and I'm the eldest, and I care about them. But I, I was really caring about this opportunity God was giving us as a family. And uh, it got a bit difficult in that kind of conversation to the point where, I don't know about you, 
if you've got siblings or just loved ones, you know when you're having a conversation, a discussion, some would call it an argument, um, well, you just get to the point where you're just like, oh, I just don't care anymore. And you start despising, it's just like, forget it. I don't care, and I don't care about this inheritance opportunity now, even though it's money, even though it's good for me, even though it's an uh, uh, opportunity for us. I was just like, I don't care anymore. Let's disregard it. You see, my attitude had kind of flung from one end of the spectrum to the other, and neither was right. I had an attitude of trying to dominate things, and then I got to a point of being exasperated by the conversation that then I just wanted to let it go. I just wanted to disregard it. I was like, what's the point? And thankfully, God was at work because it was an opportunity from God to help me with my attitude to realize I needed not to hold on too tightly, but I also didn't need to let go. And what I believe, actually, you know, as a fruit of that is today, me and my siblings are fine, by the way, and we're also getting on and benefiting from inheritance that, you know, um, our family, thankfully for us, our family members are still alive. And what I realized is God was blessing me, but my brother and sister also. And he blessed us back then through that journey. I'm standing in blessing now because of it. And I know in our future, all our, all our families, as in my family, my brothers and sisters, were all blessed. Because I kept, eventually, I got to the right attitude of trusting in God and not dominating, but also not just giving it over and saying, I don't care anymore. So let's look at something similar, I believe, from the story of Jacob and Esau. And you'll find that in Genesis chapter 25. And I'm going to read from verse 19. Uh, we're going to go 19 to 34. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethul, the Aramean from Padan, Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the elder will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. Birth to them. Just going to pause there. Bit of a sidetrack from what we're going to be talking about, but I think this is really important for us. It says when the birth was happened, they were 60 years old, or at least Isaac was 60 years old. If we just jump back in the passage, in verse 21, it simply says Isaac prayed and Rebecca became pregnant. There is 20 years ish to that promise coming through. And I just felt this sense for us not to rush into the rest of the text, but just to pause here and realize some of us, God is just asking us to be more patient with him, just to trust him more because the promises and call of God on our lives don't go according to our time scale, but to God's sovereign plan. 
And it's really important, even when we're trying to see God's promises fulfilled in our lives, which I'm sure Rebecca and Isaac were trying in their marriage for those 19 years beforehand, and nothing was showing, is to keep on believing, to keep on trusting, and even to keep on trying. Be patient. Don't be dismayed or discouraged. What the Lord has said will prevail. God's word will not return back to him void or empty. In fact, God's word is pregnant with something to be birthed, something to change, something to bless. His word prospers. And so I just want to encourage you, even when we can't see it, even year upon year when you're um, hoping for things and you can't see it, trust what you have heard. Even when you eventually start walking the path and it feels not right, like it did in the belly of uh, Rebecca, it didn't feel right to her. She inquired of the Lord. And even though it felt like there was a fight going on in her, when she finally gave birth, it didn't look like what she wanted it to. And even as we will progress through the story, we see there's difficulty even in the journey of God's promise. Hold on. Hold on to the word of God because God's heart is to bring you blessing but through you also to bring blessing to many. After all, this is the story of the forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God's purpose and plan was not just to give them a land, but also to bring blessing upon the whole world. That took some time, by the way. You know why? Because even today, we are part of that plan, and that plan is still unfolding for people to know the love, relationship, and presence of God himself. So we'll continue. 27. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, I relate to Esau being the eldest. Um, I also relate to Esau because there's times in my life where I will do anything for food. Um, anything. You know that hunger when you're just like, just give it to me. I'll do whatever you say. I'll give you, I'll pay this money for something that's not even worth it. You're just hungry. But I mean, Esau, at least do it for some pizza or fried rice or something. For soup and bread? Guy was not getting on to a good start with his story. But what we can see here is a matter of birthright. Now, birthright back then, uh, ancient Near East tradition was that the eldest, yes, the eldest, would get double the portion. But alongside the double of the portion, he would be responsible for carrying the family name and being the authoritative figure. That was the practice of that day. But we already know that God had a different plan. He said it to Rebecca. He said that the older would serve the younger. The blessing was going to come through the younger. I just want us to pause here. 
Because actually, what I think we see in our lives and in our calling, a lot of the time, we have to recognize that God's call is over the world's practices. To put it in another way, God's promise supersedes the world's practices. His ways are above the world's ways. So regardless of what the, the way the world is going, the narrative it's teaching, some of the operations of the world, I just want to encourage you, God is not restricted to the world's ways. Your calling, your personal calling, is not restricted to the world's ways. So just because the world says it has to be done this way, or you have to follow this method, this is how you have to look, this is how you have to appear, this is the kind of qualifications you need, it's according to God's way, not the world's way. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. You are in God's hands. Don't give over to the temptation to do it the world's way. God's promises supersede the world's practices. Your calling, your promises, the receiving of God's promises in your life, it doesn't depend on anything else apart from your relationship with God. That is to keep key. Don't lose hope, people. Keep God first. Now, in verse 33, we see Jacob cheats Esau. He got hold of the promise of God, which we, we heard about through Rebecca, Rebecca inquiring of the Lord. But he got hold of the Lord's promises his way. He forced the hand. He made it happen his way. He took control. He deceived to receive. He deceived to get. You see, a dominating attitude leads to deceiving actions. To dominate means actually you end up deceiving. And here's something a bit different from the Cain and Abel story when we realized that was all about domination. What we see in this, there's another layer. We see actually Jacob is coveting. He's jealous of the birthright of Esau. Covetness leads to exploitation, taking advantage. When you try and do things your way, not God's way, we end up taking advantage of other people. We end up acting not and, and actioning things not out of love, but out of a selfish desire and want. And so even if you could say, well, David, this was just part of God's plan, I don't believe that was the way God wanted to do it because God is a God of love and he wants us to love one another. I don't see throughout the whole Bible where actually deceiving people, treating people badly or poorly is actually on God's heart and agenda to bring about his purposes. God is a God of love and he loves and he loves. We don't need to force God's hand to do things. That's the funny thing about Jacob, right? His name means to grasp, (laughs) trying to grasp hold of. I want to encourage us. Let's not take matters into our own hands, but let's realize, recognize, and have faith that we're in God's hands. We don't need to force his hand. His hand knows, he knows what he's doing with his hands, and he's got you in it. He's got you in it. Verse 34, Esau disregarded his birthright, which means basically he didn't care. He despised it. 
And because he despised it, he lost it. He disregarded it. Now, this may seem a bit harsh, and we learned from last week from John a good way of reading the Bible. When you're like, whoa, this is a bit harsh, or I'd like to get more perspective on this, we can turn to other places in the Bible. Now, there's more stuff to be learned about Esau um, from Romans and Malachi, but what I'm going to look at just simply today is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Um, and what it says there is uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is just making a comment about treating people. And he says about, he says about Esau that he was godless. That for the sake of having one meal, he sold his inheritance. Godless, without God. And I can find at times in my life, it's very easy for me to act away from God to simply get something instantly. Because, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the world practice we're in today, right? If we want something, we go and get it now. Instant gratification. If I want food, I'll get it now. If I want something to happen, I'll get it done now. There's no waiting for it. There's no pressure. It's all about what I can do and get hold of now. Esau was hungry, and he traded it off. He traded his birthright off. And because of that, he had regret. You'll see it as we continue the story. Many of you, have you ever eaten a lot of food and then regret eating a lot of food? Did anybody relate with me there? Anyone been in a food coma when you're like, oh, I should not have done that? Like, just because of the sense of, oh, I'm going to get what I can now. I'm going to satisfy my needs now. I'm going to feel now. And then you're like, oh, after. But not only that, you'll see something else. You'll be like, oh, I wanted that as well. But I got no room for it. Uh, one of my friends came around my mum's house. And my mum likes to cook meal upon meal upon meal. And uh, they went to town on the starter, not realising duck pancakes is a starter, right? <laughs> Came to the main meal, there was loads of food out. My mom's Filipino, so she was, she was throwing out all that Asian fusion. And so they, you know, they ate through the main meal. The, the meat sweats were real. They were difficult. They were having a challenge. And then after that, the pudding comes out. You know, what we want now might not be what we want later. And sometimes we've just got to hold back and say, God, actually, you know what's best for me. Don't let me jump on ahead in my life trying to make things happen, trying to fill my need, trying to satisfy me, when actually there's a way you want to bring satisfaction that doesn't leave me wanting after. God's word, God's way, God's call truly satisfies. The purposes of God unfolded in your life, coming to, purpose, coming to fruition in your life, that truly satisfies. Not all this other stuff which is fleeting may make you feel good at first. It's like sin, right? Sometimes it makes you feel good at first, but then you're left with a disgusting taste or feeling in you. Esau had a despising attitude, and it led him to regard, disregarding actions. See, with Isaac, what he was trying to do was trying to force God, and then where Esau, he was trying to just let it go. He doesn't care. And there's two ends of the spectrum here. Again, we need to hold on to God, but we also got to let go of our ways. Let's continue in the story of Isaac, uh, Jacob and Esau. Um, again, over food. Now, forgive me, there's 45 verses we're going to storm through now from verse 27. 
When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for his elder son Esau and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of her elder son Esau, which she had in the house and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain, and new wine. May nations serve you, and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. 
Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her elder son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to your brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Lots of family drama here, lots of playing pieces. And there's only a few things I have the time to draw upon, which I believe the Lord has at least put on my heart for us as a church family. It's, you know, it's easy to see the deception of Jacob and just simply to say here, Jacob, and I heard some <gasps> gasps in the crowd, Jacob lies to his father three times. That is a shameful practice then, it's still shameful today. But that lying caused pain and grief. Now, Jacob was trying to orchestrate in his own power, in his own mind, in his own design, the purposes of God. Please, I encourage you, never lie and say it's fine because you're working out the purposes of God. Lying is not a good thing, and it hurts your relationships. And I'll tell you what, it will hurt your relationship with God. He even lied about God in those lies. Now, to, to even add on to this lying, Jacob faked it. Jacob put on his brother's clothes, Esau's clothes. He put on goat skin to make him feel hairy. I should wear goat skin. It'll make me look more of an adult. Um, and uh, he brought fake food or different kind of food to appear in a certain way. You see, this happens a lot in life these days just digitally, right? We try and make ourselves appear a certain way to appeal to a certain audience. You may have heard of filters. You can get all sorts of filters these days where when you video yourself, you appear different. You can appear like somebody else. You can appear like an animal. You can appear more hairy. I've used it. I've seen what I look like with a beard. It's good. I'm not sure it'd feel good, but it looks good. And maybe I won't be ID'd in future, but who cares? 36 still being ID'd. Who cares? This is the thing. We do not need to appear in a certain way to a certain person, to a certain audience for God's call, his sovereign call in our lives to come through to fruition. We don't need to. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. Don't try and be somebody else to receive the promise or the blessing God has for you. Yeah. See, Isaac put on 
uh, no, sorry, Jacob put on the Esau filter. What filter are you putting on? What filter are you putting on so you appear a certain way, to look a certain way, to appeal a certain way, to a certain audience, to a certain people, maybe in your family, maybe in your friendship group, maybe in your work, maybe at the school gate, so that you can bring in more blessing? That's probably more about you than it is about the work of God and God's heart to bless people. It's more selfish than it is selfless. Don't be somebody else to receive the blessing God wants to give you. And then if we continue on this layering, lying and then putting on things, what we also have to recognize is Rebecca. I think Rebecca, the mother, had good intentions for Jacob. She even heard from God direct that this is what's going to happen. This is my calling. This is my blessing. This is my promise. But Rebecca tried. Well, Rebecca did. She put the clothes She dressed Jacob. She put the hairy garments on him. She cooked the meal. Church family. There may be well-intended, good-minded, loving people around you, but don't let them put something on you that you shouldn't be wearing. Don't let them put on you who you aren't. And I'm talking to myself here. I can't allow the purposes of God to come through another means of somebody else trying to make me fit what God already has made me to be. I fit well as David Dodwell. You fit well as you. So stop trying to be somebody else to receive God's blessing because God wants to bless people through you, through who you are, how you are, what you love, your interests, your loves, your cares, your desires. God wants to bless through that, not through somebody else's in your life. Be You, the God that God has called you to be. Don't allow others to put on things on you to reach God's promises. Just fast forwarding then. So Jacob flees at risk and fear of his life. So we can tell even though, oh, he's going in the promises. Now he's got, he hasn't got peace. He's fearful. He goes to his his uncle Laban. And uh, strangely enough, When he's living with his uncle Laban, Laban deceives him, tricks him. He ends up staying there for about 20, 21 years. Interesting mirroring of the story before they were born. And whilst he's on his way back to meet his brother Esau, his dad is still alive, by the way. He is so full of fear to the point there's this really strange occurrence where he he meets the angel of the Lord and he wrestles the angel of the Lord. And do you know what he's wrestling him for? His blessing. Give me your blessing. He's unsatisfied and he's fearful. He's afraid. And you know what? In that wrestling with God, I'm really surprised God didn't just deal with him. But like God was teaching him. That's what God is like with us. It's like, God, why don't you just deal with me? But he deals with us through love. Now, in that story, his uh, hip pops. So he has to walk differently. Maybe we have to walk differently. And I'll tell you what, when you walk with God, you do walk differently. So he comes back in Genesis 33. And to cut the story short, Esau runs to meet him, not with an axe, but with open arms. And he embraces his brother. He kisses his brother. They both wept together. And even in that, Esau, interesting enough, Esau is blessed. Esau's got lots of stuff. Remember how condemning it felt from his father. Yet, 
in God's providence and love and riches. Esau has loads of stuff. Okay, so Jacob comes with all these ideas of how he's going to make up. He's like, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring my entourage. You can have some of this. You can have some of that. Please forgive me. And Esau's like, I don't need it. I've got plenty. In fact, I've got some people here to keep you safe in a foreign land. See the reversal here. See Esau now actually caring for his brother. Wow. What we can learn from this, two points, two contrasting points. Jacob, the dominating and deceiving one. When you dominate, when you deceive, when you force, when you control, when you manipulate, when you lie, it robs your peace from others. Who here doesn't have peace with others? When you do those things, it actually opens up your life to receive them. With the measure you give, the measure would be used unto you. It's part of God's law and wisdom and providence. So if I'm going to be lying in my life, I'm sure I'm going to be susceptible to lies myself. If I deceive and manipulate people, well, I'm probably going to be manipulated by people too. Does anyone feel manipulated here? What does that tell me about myself and maybe the way I've been with God? And finally, forgetting just the relational aspects, your own peace is robbed when you're dominating and deceiving. You know why it's robbed? It's it's almost like you've given it away because your peace comes from God. And if you're forcing God's hand, if you're grasping, if you're doing it your way, you're not having his peace. That's one side of the equation. Finally, the other. Old Esau, despising and disregarding. When you despise and disregard God's work in your life, God's call in your life, his purposes, you become unsatisfied. You may instantaneously be satisfied by something your way, but eventually you're going to have a bitter taste in your mouth. In fact, that's my second point. You become bitter. How many of us are unsatisfied with the way we're living, but recognize we're not living according to how God has called us to live. And because he's called us to live a certain way and we're not matching up to that, God's heart is, again, so gracious that he wants to lead us back into relationship with him and deal with those things and deal with the bitterness. Maybe you're bitter with God. Maybe you're experiencing bitterness with people. What is God trying to say? And finally, we saw Esau was taken advantage of by his brother. This is sensitive stuff, right? We're doing real relationships, authentic relationships. Some of us in this room feel we've been taken advantage of, right, by other people. And I'm not saying those other people did you, <laughs> did, were doing right by that, but actually, what have we disregarded in God? What have we despised? What have I, like I almost did with what God was doing with the opportunity to receive an inheritance early, I could have completely missed it if my attitude stayed in the wrong place or if my heart between God and my heart between my siblings was not right. So we're going to land it here. Here's the things I think God's saying to us. Be patient. Keep believing in the promises of God. Keep believing what you've heard. 
Maybe you haven't heard it yet, but keep believing what you trust to be true of the scriptures, what you see of God's nature and character in here. Even if you haven't audibly heard it, you're holding on to him to be your shelter, your healer, your strong tower, your rock. Whatever it is, be patient, but keep trusting, keep believing, keep depending on him and him alone. For some of us, it's letting go of control. Stop dominating. Even if you've got good intentions, and I know plenty of us have good intentions, But the thing is, we try and do things our way, that becomes destructive for our relationships with one another and with God. And finally, for some of us, it's simply holding on to what God has given us. Just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. Trust. 20 years it took for Isaac and Rebecca to have their babies, even though God had promised it and they knew it. 20 years of trying and waiting. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they come up, I'm going to ask uh, for us to simply be open and vulnerable with God. Say, what is on your heart, God? Where are the things that are wrong in my life that potentially could be wrong with me and you, first of all? And we're going to be looking at giving to God, letting go of certain things, but also taking hold of him. I'm going to pray a starting prayer, a welcoming prayer, a prayer of invitation for God to minister into our hearts personally. And we're going to sing a a song of worship together. In that time, after that, we'll look to respond and see what God has placed on our hearts, okay? Would you stand with me for just a moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. Your love is so constant. You never leave or forsake us. You never fail us. And I thank you, Father, that you know and you see each and every person here. You know what they've been through. You know what they're going through. You know what their future is. And I thank you that each and every person is called by you, called by name. They belong to you in Christ Jesus. And so I pray right now that your voice, your Holy Spirit would speak and minister to every heart that is open to say, Lord God, come and have your way with me. I don't want to rush into this, God, but I pray, Father, you would, by your kindness, bring us to a place of repentance, Lord, where we've lived in the wrong relationship with you and inevitably lived with the wrong relationship with others. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 a.m., and 11am in person and online.